All right. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the eighth episode of the Work From Home Nomad podcast. I'm your host, Wilson, where I ask work from home nomads from all of the world the same questions and the resulting stories are always different and exciting. These work from home nomads have the ability to work from anywhere with good internet and travel the world at the same time. And today I have the privilege of interviewing the one and only Brian. Hello, Brian. How are you doing today? Hey, Wilson. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, yeah. No problem. So where are you right now? Uh, I'm in my uh, three-bedroom, three-bath penthouse apartment in Florianopolis, overlooking uh, the eighth best university in Latin America, which is uh, debatable by American standards. But (laughs) uh, yes, so I'm in an island where we actually met. Uh, I live Uh central in the island, pretty close to like 40 beaches. And uh, I live more central on the island because it has more accessibility to uh, gyms, jujitsu, supermarket, Mm -hmm. bars, restaurants, and easier to get around north, south, east, west. So awesome. Right on. Cool. Thanks, Brian. Uh, Yeah. So Brian is in Florianopolis right now in the state of Santa Catarina, uh, Brazil. Um, And I met him there about four or five months ago. Uh, It was kind of funny because we were at a beach bar. Um, overlooking the gorgeous view of uh, Praia Mole. And uh, just some guy just tapped my shoulder and said, hey, you, you're speaking English. Where are you from? And, and from there, the rest was history. We became good friends. Uh, so just a little quick background of Brian. Uh, he is American. Uh, he was born and raised in California. Uh, so it looks like he bounced around growing up. San Francisco, San Diego, Chico. Uh, went to San Diego State University and studied international finance. Uh, And also, another thing, Brian, you are Mexican-American, is that correct? Your parents are from Mexico? Right on, right on. My mom's Uh, Mexican, my dad's German. Okay. Do you speak Mm -hmm. uh, Spanish or German? Uh, German. German, you speak German. Mexican, yes. German, no. (laughs) Mexican, yes. German, no. Right on. Uh, And then after college, uh, Brian went on to do an internship in Madrid. Uh, So how was that experience, Brian? Uh, Well, I'll tell you first. So uh, I don't speak Mexican, I speak Spanish. And I did that growing (laughs) up. My mother uh, did her job and tried to teach me Spanish from a young age. And I spoke Spanish uh, and English in my house. My father did not speak Spanish. But once I was kind of a little bit more aware of my surroundings, let's call it age six or seven, I started to realize that most of my mom's friends who spoke Spanish, my mom was from Mexico City, her friends, she had a lot of friends that were immigrants too, they were, you know, usually first generation, and Mm -hmm. usually uh, quite poor, they were very low, low class, low income. So I associated speaking Spanish with her friends and their families as being like very low class and low income. So at a very young age, I really pushed away Spanish and didn't want to speak it because, I, you know, I, we were middle class. I didn't want to associate with that. I, I, from a very young age, I was observant and I saw right. the, the differences. So totally stopped speaking Spanish. So I had like a very basic, um, low level functioning Spanish throughout my teens. And then in university, I decided to study a major international business that required um, either an internship abroad or a study abroad, study abroad for a semester. So I wanted to go to Spain. And so I was like, oh, I'll speak Spanish, whatever. It's easy. It took a lot of Spanish classes and it came easy enough. 
I didn't learn so much, you know, as you don't learn if you don't language, language courses anywhere, wherever you do it, whether it be in university or private practice or whatever, you're not going to learn anything if you don't really want to do it. If you go through the motions, you can get an A, to, an A, but you know, you're not really learning a lot. I know a lot of people who study for one year and they're fluent in English. I know many people right. study for five or six and they never get it. Right. It's, right are you right. going through the classes or are you learning? Do you really want right. it? So, right. Uh, my last, I pushed off my study abroad, my internship until my last semester, because I wanted to do an internship. All my friends did study abroad for a semester and mm -hmm. it seemed fun and it was great, but I didn't want the handholding. I didn't want to, uh, be confined to what the administrators are doing, let alone from San Diego state or the administrators in some Spanish country. Right. So mm -hmm. I did an internship and uh, I cold emailed a hundred solar companies in Spain and I got an internship from one of them. And that was the one I ended up doing. So very cool. That was my last semester. I didn't have to come back. Right. I did all my mm -hmm. coursework. Also, another thing is too, I had a pretty good university. It was a, you know, a top rated school for international business. Why would mm -hmm. I go and study in Spain and take courses in a language I don't really understand in, right. you know, a subpar school. So, mm -hmm. right. you know, your last semester you're taking finance 490, you know, uh -huh. like, it would be much better in a language I comprehend. So right. landed in Madrid, 22, you know, just a guy who had never really traveled abroad. I had been to Mexico a bunch of times, but mm -hmm. uh, in Madrid, the world really opened up. You know, I realized like, wow, uh, America's great, but you know, there's a lot that I can see out here in the world. I'm 22. I like these foreign women. I like the way that I can get food <laughs> at any hour of the day. I'm living in the center of a city that's you know, a thousand years of rich history. They have the most right. amazing works of art. The buildings here are essentially castles. And uh -huh. there it kind of just sparked uh, what would become, that wasn't my intention at all. You know, right. Here's, I'm here nine years later, uh, having lived abroad for six years in total. Right. So mm -hmm. yeah, very, very cool. Uh, so after, so you're saying that after your experience in Madrid, uh, whenever you had that internship, you realized how much you like traveling. So that was the, was, would you say that was the turning point in which you decided, Hey, I want to do this, uh, more often. Oh, for sure. I, well, I was, uh, at that time I was still 22. So, uh, I started to really understand, I guess you could call it red pills. I, I, I got red pilled and realized that a man in his twenties doesn't really have a lot of uh, intrinsic value, you know, we have uh -huh, to develop right. our, our value. And so I realized, you know, I can kind of spend my twenties discovering a lot of things, learning languages, learning new cultures and, and going outside of the typical path and build a value this way. That isn't the traditional path. So yeah. Mm -hmm. And being in Madrid, man, I was traveling all over Spain. I, I've been to, it, when I lived in Madrid, I, I traveled to, and I was on a very small budget. I had never been abroad. I didn't know right. what to expect. I was a bartender, so I had some savings, but nothing, um, uh, you know, noteworthy. And on a small budget, I was able to travel from from Madrid as my uh, as my focal point. So I traveled a lot, right. learned a lot of things, and realized because if you're in Houston, Texas, you know, there's not much around you within three <laughs> hours that you can really right. discover. You have right. all your Texas cities, maybe Juarez, but why go there, right? It, maybe <laughs> if you're in New York, you can discover a lot of New England, right? Yeah. So mm -hmm. I think from San Diego to New York is the same as uh, Lisboa to St. Petersburg. Mm -hmm. right. So just being in a European city, you can 
instead of going to three states or one big state, you can go to right. four countries. So yeah. it really did open the doors. Definitely. Right on, right on. And so after your experience in Spain, you've uh, done some really interesting things around the world. So it wasn't just Europe. It looks like you've traveled to Sri Lanka with an exiled princess. <laughs> can you tell us a little bit more about that experience? Yeah, yeah. So after I did like six or eight months in um, in Madrid, I, I went back home. I depleted all my savings and I said, I'm going to do this again. I'm going to go and I worked as a bartender and I saved just a stack of, of cash. And I took mm -hmm. out, I went out for, uh, I planned to go to India to do a yoga teacher training. Mm -hmm. And I haven't done yoga in like, in like four or five years. So that's uh, an era. Blast from the past. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so I went to India, I met a lot of people and I decided to go to Sri Lanka. I, I was close and I wanted to go surfing and hang out at the beach and uh, go to this obscure country that nobody really goes to. So I went there. And I met a woman who uh, she was Australian, but her I'll I'll keep uh, I'll keep it discreet here. Her family was uh, exiled. There was a, they overthrew the monarchy the previous generation. So her mother was a princess, and mm -hmm. they had to escape from their country and go live in Australia. So this woman was essentially uh, a royalty in you know first generation removed in exile. So we, she was just traveling, hanging out and we hung out for, I don't know, 10 days, maybe two weeks, just right. uh, driving around Sri Lanka. It was great. A very mm -hmm. fun time. Yeah. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. All right. So let's talk a little bit more about the work side of things. Uh, right now you're an operations manager. Uh, and how are you able to manage working from the beautiful island of Florianopolis? How are you able to balance that? With traveling well at this point in time i rarely uh so here's my office very simple setup i've got this got a nice view of like i said the out outdoors big office lots of space and you got to have your uh your greens right you got to have some uh, <laughs> some chloroform or whatever some, right some oxygen right. for the brain so yeah. uh, I live here. I have a, uh, an apartment, but I have a big office. I think that's very mm -hmm. important um, yeah. to have space. You're here in a co-working spot. I, I don't do so well in these. I, I mm -hmm. lose focus. I want to talk to everyone and see what they're doing and walk around and get coffee and all this stuff. So um, right. I like the home office thing. But um, And I, do, I used to, to travel a lot, right? But now I have a business. I have teams I have to manage. So the traveling is a little bit harder for me. Uh, I'm, I'm not that guy who can travel as you do. You're always in these new places and traveling for a week, two weeks, right. three weeks at mm -hmm. a time. And uh, that, I wish I, I had the ability to do that, that kind of, of work right. because mm -hmm. I, I have a routine and I like it. But so here I am. Um, my business partners actually live here on the island, but we never see each other. It's kind of funny, you know, we mm -hmm. right. ironic our right. way to be uh -huh. with them, but I rarely see them. Yeah. So, uh, and, you know, it's, that's it. Yeah. And I think that's a good point that Brian mentioned, you know, um, so it sounds like Brian is settled in Florianapolis. He's got his podcast, uh, <laughs> his, uh, microphone set up. Oh, yeah. uh, he's got his office space. Uh, for me, you know, I'm currently in the past month, especially I've been moving place to place one week at a time, check in, check out of Airbnbs. Uh, logistically, um, making sure that you make your flights, making sure that you make your buses. Uh, so, 
you know, those, I think those are the trade-offs, right? Slow traveling versus fast and, and quick nomad, traditional nomad traveling. Um, but it's a little bit trickier with, with working and traveling at the same time. It's achievable. Uh, but again, I think the point I'm trying to make is it's, it's a personal preference, right? So for Brian, uh, it looks like, you know, he's um, got everything settled in Florianapolis. That's how he rules. Uh, and, um, but, you know, I, I know other nomads who travel like during the weekday. And I think that's a lot uh, because they have to figure out the logistics of checking in and checking out um, and not have it interrupt your work. I'll, I'll, I'll add this in here is that because the cost of living is so low here, right? So mm-hmm. this apartment I have is massive and it's not even 700 bucks a month, right? So right. Uh, this provides me the ability to, uh, so three weeks ago, I was in, in Recife. I did go to Recife. I did travel. I spent a week there and, you know, the flight, the round trip was 250 bucks and I was mm-hmm. on a beachfront uh, penthouse overlooking the, the ocean, amazing place. Uh, very cheap. And last weekend, I spent the weekend in Balneario Camboriú. So that's about Mm -hmm. two hours away. But just because things are so cheap, you can really take every weekend off. So if if you're more of a guy like me who likes to have his office and his desk and things like this, it doesn't mean that that you can't be in a faraway place and still take off every weekend, right? Especially if you Mm -hmm. can kind of do pull like three day weekends and kind of this, you know, be more productive. Um, Or if you have a kind of... uh, work ability where you can only work four hours a day, man, you mm-hmm. can be really anywhere, you know, and right. in Latin America, especially uh, in Brazil, they have pretty good internet. I've never, ha- I've never, I've never had an, an issue uh, mm-hmm. getting high quality internet to my apartment. So right, right, right on. Too. Yeah. Uh, and so I think one of the advantages and you know, firsthand, Brian, you lived in San Francisco, San Diego, very expensive, California. Uh, can you describe the advantages of uh, living in Latin America, especially when the Brazilian real um, has uh, really diminished in value against the U.S. dollar recently. Man, I sometimes I, I look at, at the conversion just for fun, and I just like instantly my net worth just goes up like five percent, boom, just right, like that. Right, right. And uh, but Uber is a one for one price match in terms of uh, nominal value. So you take an Uber in San Francisco, you're going to pay $30 here. You're going to pay 30 hey ice for the same distance traveled, the, the same ride, but the conversion is basically 5.8 or six to one. So your Uber mm-hmm. is one sixth of the price for the same distance. My apartment right. here, man, I don't even know what an apartment costs in San Francisco these days, but this apartment that I'm living in now would be easily $6,000. I'm paying 700 yep. bucks. Uh, I've got a gate. I've got a guard. I got a car. My car rental is a little econo box. Uh-huh. Uh, I do like a long-term lease. I pay 215 bucks a month, mm-hmm. all taken care of insurance. The guy comes in and does the oil, oil change. I get a, a fender bender. They change it. Food right. is one third of the price. You, mm-hmm. you know, you during this, during this COVID, my business, uh, we, we stopped, uh, one of the products that we were selling so our cash flow was doing pretty bad mm-hmm. and just on what you know just conserving you can live for a king here for two thousand right. dollars a month right so if mm-hmm. you just want to kind of coast or you're in between jobs or you're trying to figure things out if you're doing some kind of code uh code camp or learning learning a new skill or you're mm-hmm. going to do online classes and you have some cash come live here you know you can it's 
it cuts your costs by a third, you know, really and I, I, I'm a guy who likes to go out. I have a car. I eat Angus steaks every day. I, I, I go and drink. I hang out with friends. So I spend a lot of money. Right. But right. you can really do nothing here and, and live for 1200 bucks a month. Yeah, sure. absolutely. And, and I'll even add something. I, I actually think Florianopolis is kind of expensive for relative to the rest of Brazil. Right now I'm in the, the north part of Brazil. Uh, and I believe one of my lunches the other day was 10 high ice. So that's a dollar and 70 cents US dollars. And it was like good food too. Like it wasn't anything like uh, dirt or n- nasty. It was actually like good quality food and I enjoyed it. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give you a, another example. So here, if you go to the beach, Florianopolis is by far the safest city in Brazil. People come here because it's safe. You can walk around with a cell phone, you know, and people highlight that fact. So you have girls yeah. walking around here at night by themselves. No worry. You go to other cities, it's not as safe. So here mm-hmm. you pay the price for the security. People here have high living standards, which, you know, it comes with, with the cost of living. But in Recife, on the beach, on the beach, I was getting a coconut water, a coconut with a straw with, with the water, three hay ice, which is, you know, whatever, 60 cents. Here, mm-hmm. the same coconut water, right, just 2,000 kilometers away, is 10 hay ice. So mm-hmm. three times the price for the same product. It's a commodity, essentially, right? So, right, right. I mean, just to give you an idea of, of the price variance. Yeah, very cool. All right, so Brian, so when you were 22, uh, you know, take me back to when you were 22, you studied international finance. Today, you are an operations manager. Um, in these uh, last uh, few years, you know, how do you describe your career growth and, and uh, to how you, to where you are today? Hmm. My career growth was one of a random chance. So I studied international business. I interned at UBS. I was working at the World Trade Center interning. I worked at a solar firm. I thought I was going to work in solar energy or investment banking. A hedge fund in green energy was like, wow, I could do that. That'd be great. And then right. I traveled and then I was like, man, I can just travel and teach English for some years and then, you know, learn four languages. And that would be a great asset to mm-hmm. what I could, I could bring. So I did that. I traveled a lot. I, I, I networked. When I came to Brazil in 2014, I came here with the intention of learning Portuguese, right? I already spoke Spanish and Italian at that point, but I came to, to, to Brazil, you know, it was one of the bricks. So I learned, they always talk about the bricks in university. Right. I don't right. know if they still teach this anymore, but uh, so I was like, I'm going to go to Brazil. I'm going to work in Sao Paulo. I'm going to work at a bank. I'm going to get a big boy job. And I didn't do that. I came here, I worked in a hostel uh, to learn Portuguese. I started teaching English and I, mm-hmm. I was networking all along the way. So I met a lot of Americans, MBA types, Duke, Wharton, just a lot of really successful guys who were kind of hanging right. out here, had, had some money. They were managing their investments, 40, 50 years old. I was a 22 year old guy working at a hostel, right? It's like, right. Well, well, so <laughs> the value I brought was, I was like, I'm a youthful, energetic guy. You know, I want to be like you guys tell me all your secrets. So right. they really took me in. They're like, all right, bro, we got you. You're, we're all here in, in Floripa. You speak languages. You're a smart guy. Come hang out with us. Right. So I was, a. Mm. Uh, um, I started working with a lot of different people here and I got big boy jobs, but they weren't, mm-hmm. they were Brazilian jobs, right? I, I was making a thousand bucks a month. So relative to Brazilians, I was making okay money, but you know, as an American with student debt and, you know, like wanting to fly home p- periodically, it was like impossible. Right. I couldn't do right. it. So <laughs> it, I, I was struggling for a little bit, 
but you know, I made more connections. I, I made more uh, of a better network and I started to kind of level up. We started to uh, discover ways that we could take what we were doing and do it on our own, you know, uh, do some startups here and there. And mm -hmm. eventually we, uh, I've met the business partners I have now, and we started doing, um, uh, agency work. So we're doing SEO, mm -hmm. PPC, basically just lead generation for businesses in the U S mm -hmm. we try to do it in Brazil too. And, you know, we think, man, if we just do this in Brazil, we're going to crush it. Nobody knows how to do SEO. Nobody knows how to do PPC lead generation. They don't even know what it is here. They just put up a banner <laughs> ad and they hope it, it works. They don't track mm -hmm. anything. And it really failed because people here don't see the value. They don't, they don't understand mm -hmm. ROI in right. my experience. It was very difficult though. Right. So, mm -hmm. And also you're earning in Hey Ice. It's one fourth of the value that you can get in the U.S. So right. even if you're a run of the mill company in the U.S. Mm -hmm. and you get a few clients, you got to mm -hmm. get five times the clients here just to make the same margin, the same profit, mm -hmm. right? So, right. Um, so from there we turned and services is very difficult. There's a lot of work, a lot of, a lot of handholding. So we turned to info products. We started selling mm -hmm. products that we can just sell, we can make and replicate. And we, we ended up converting the both into, uh, now we have a SaaS with mm -hmm. a info product. So we sell them info products and for how they can, um, do, they can manage their own agencies, the people that run their stuff, we give them checklists and, uh, best practices and, and guidance so that they can either, uh, add transparency to their internal teams or, uh, hold their agencies accountable. And then we give them a digital dashboard on the back end where they can track all, all of the, their, uh, their metrics, email marketing, digital marketing, direct mail. And so that's what I do now. I'm an operations manager. So, uh, you know, I'm a founder, I'm a partner in the company and I just manage a lot of our teams, our day-to-day -day action, high level strategy, things like that. Very cool. Awesome. Very cool. Well, that's pretty inspiring. So, you know, looking back in these uh, years from the time you were a student um, to today, uh, what would you say your biggest career advice uh, would be to, you know, maybe a Brian who was 22 years old at the time? Oh, man, that's such a hard one, because my advice would be so uh, non-traditional. What, what I saw when I traveled abroad as a 22-year-old was people from Australia, New Zealand, and Europe who were 18, who either uh, for, they foregoed university or they were taking a gap year, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Uh, that's not something that we do in the U S you're so rushed, right? Go to university, take the, take the SATs, ACTs, take the GRE, go to, go to university. Right. You're right. And then you pick at 18, like, I'm going to do this. And I, this is my career path forever. Right. right you don't know right. what's out there. You don't know, you know, n not to say that going to Berlin and partying for five days is going to change your life. And you're going <laughs> to you know, have self-actualization because that, because right. that's like, uh, this, you know, you can be a, a degenerate traveler or you can really learn about the world and, and, and see what's out there, you know, and not right. to say that the world needs to be your playground, but I think people need to grow in other ways before they can really go down some paths. Right. So mm -hmm. if you're, if you're, you know, uh, some kind of professional or you're a person in university and you haven't traveled abroad, but you are thinking about it, there's nothing wrong with taking three months off, right? right Maybe right. you're, you really don't like your job you can't get three months off. You're not going to take a three month vacation, right? That's impossible. Right. But, but maybe like, I guarantee you that taking these types of, of intermittent breaks will allow you to have some kind of realization or, um, envision a different future for yourself. One of mm -hmm. the things that I did was, and you can do this, this, 
you know, your audience is probably more of a, um, a professional class person who, you know, a, a white collar, they have some kind of income, they want to, they working from the computer all day and they can move it elsewhere. Mm-hmm. One yeah. option that there is, is that there's people who, I worked in Italy for four mm-hmm. months in yeah. only cooking in kitchens. So I, I, I was working in, uh, in workstays. Okay. Mm-hmm. So basically you're, you work for 20 hours a week and they give you food and lodging. And you can do this mm-hmm. in any European country. You can do this in the U.S. You can do this in Latin America. Mm-hmm. And um, my advice to my kids, you, you know, having gone to university, having taken on some debt, having um, gone through that whole funnel would be not to go to university. There's so many yeah. ways you can make money independently, online. Mm-hmm. You can uh, even having some work experience and then taking that and doing it on your own will provide you so much more flexibility, which to me is the most important thing, right? I, I wake up when I want to, uh, God bless Wilson. I was, I was late here because I don't have a morning routine. So I was kind of just <laughs> walking around my apartment and I looked at Instagram. Oh man, I'm late. Right. So <laughs> this is the, you know, I, I go to sleep late. I, I wake up when mm-hmm. I want to. And yeah. for me, that's much more important than, you know, uh, having that, that concrete stability because mm-hmm. you, you take these chances and, and sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. In my case it mm-hmm. did. And I think yeah. a lot of people here, definitely can. Yeah, no, thanks for that perspective. I, I love it. I love it. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I think you mentioned briefly to me before the show um, that you were a chef aide in Italy. You also did a little hitch, uh, hitchhiking in Europe. Uh, so, I mean, it looks like Brian has just done a lot of uh, different things in this world over the last 10 years. Um, and I, I don't know. I'm just curious. What do you think? You know, whenever you're traveling to a new country for the first time, uh, it seems like you're already used to it. Um, do you get nervous still? Uh, were you nervous in the very beginning? And how did you get over those fears? At 22, I was for sure nervous um, mm-hmm. because, man, I was I was insulated. I was in university. I had friends. I lived with all my buddies. You know, everyone I met was through social circle. But um uh, I've really dived into, uh, you know, there's a bunch of books that you can read, uh, Dale Carnegie, uh, a lot of like red pill yeah. type books that, that mm-hmm. will allow you it, it, it's self internal internalization of your own value. Right. So going abroad is scary for sure. Um, yeah. you know, and I made the mistake a, a lot of times of, uh, insulating myself with other expats, right? So mm-hmm. I, I went to university, I went to Madrid at 22. All my friends were university age. They were all English speakers. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't have uh, Spanish friends. In retrospect, it was because I now in, I analyze it. Spanish people are very clicky. It's very hard mm-hmm. to enter these friends, uh, these friend groups because they stay in one place for many years and they're, the, mm-hmm. they live at home and they're still friends with the people they've had forever. So it's kind of hard. The expat group is, is very good, but uh, I made lots of friends, you, you know, just walking in the street. And here, here, here's the one thing that I've learned is that uh, people are so timid and so nervous to say something wrong or talk to people that they don't know, right? Mm-hmm. Every day, like I met Wilson, I hear a guy speaking English and, you know, I want to know why he's speaking English in a bar in Brazil on the beach. Like, who's this guy? What, you know, and that can go for anything. Like you see a person. Yeah. And they're wearing a really weird hat that you're like, wow, that's like, I've never seen a guy wear a hat like that. Go and talk mm-hmm. to the guy, you know, and so many people abroad speak English, 
you know, mm-hmm. here in Brazil, it's a little, the, the penetration of English is maybe 10 or 15%, but young people speak English more than old people. So mm-hmm. uh, you'll, everybody is interested. Why are right. you an American here in Brazil? Why are you, you're mm-hmm. a foreigner here. Tell me your story. Who are you? Right. I want to show you my favorite restaurant, my favorite bar. Here's my friends. Come meet my friends. Right. So it's not, it's taking the first dive and like putting yourself out there that, you know, it's hard for some people, but, um, you know, after years and years now, I don't, I don't get nervous at all. So, you know, and I think, uh, one thing to add to Brian's story, this one where he met me, um, at the beach bar in Florianopolis, but also to add on, to combine that point with his career path and where he is today. Uh, I think that's a great example of Brian being good at networking, uh, but also the importance of networking. So, you know, I, I say it over and over um, on social media, but as soon as you make one connection, that's really all it takes because that connection can uh, introduce you to other connections who can introduce you to 10 other connections. Uh, and those 10 connections can introduce you to two connections each. And all of a sudden you have a network of, it doesn't matter. It could be friends. It could be a professional network. Uh, but I think what Brian highlighted here is extremely important. Uh, and not only the professional in the world, but also whenever you're traveling um, and people always think solo traveling, you're by yourself. No, you're not. Actually, you're with a lot of other people who support you. Um, you learn a lot of different things. You get outside your comfort zone. Um, and you really grow in my opinion. And I think it's a really beautiful thing. Yeah. Let me add to that. So, um, just to give you some context, right? So you said you meet one person, you meet this and this and this, uh, here in Florianopolis, I have all my, all my Brazilian friends I met through jujitsu, right? So these are guys of all ages, they're students, they're 40, they're 50, they're police, they're military police, they're tech entrepreneurs. Uh, and that's my Brazilian base, right? So I met them Mm -hmm. through there. And you have other hobbies, you can find your own, right? But here in the US, here in Brazil, I have another friend group who's all expats. And these mm-hmm. guys are uh, crypto millionaires who've been doing this for four years, who are marketing crypto companies. I have, I have a friend who flew in here, uh, bought two apartments, cash on the beach to do Airbnb as an investment. And then he left and comes back every three months. So there's this guy. I have a professional surfer friend, and these are who I was hanging out with just yesterday, right? So a professional Brazilian friend, uh, a jujitsu or a surfer. So mm-hmm. the connections just pile up. You know, people right. who have your same mindset will hang out with one another, right? Now another thing is that look into Myers Briggs if you guys haven't already. Myers Briggs is this huge thing. It's a personality type indicator. You can take a test, a fast test, in five minutes or two minutes. You can take one that's a little bit longer, thirty minutes. But um, what it will tell you is if you're an introvert, if you're intuitive, if you're sensing, if you're a thinking type, a feeling type, a judgmental type or a perception type, and it'll give you your, your personality and give you insights into who you are, right? So some people, your personality type, you like the bigger picture idea of living abroad and the adventure and all this stuff, but you're really not suited for it, right? Internally, right. you may be an introvert. You may be scared of talking to people. You may be afraid of putting yourself out there. And that's a really big thing to living abroad. So, you know, sometimes your, 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 uh, your 
the way that you interact with the world is different than the way that you wish you did or that the way that you perceive the world. So in my case, I'm an ENTJ, right? The ENTJ is the kind of guy who just, they, it's the commander is what it is. Right. So basically you're an extrovert. You can, you want to control everything around you and you see the world as your oyster. So for me, it really works out. I have friends who I tell, and now in retrospect, it's so dumb, but I would tell them like, well, you got to get out of here. You got to get out of the hometown. You got to adventure, discover life, go to a different city, this and that. And they were like, why? I don't want to do that. That's not, I, that doesn't interest me at all. Right. 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 So some people there's, and there's the two extremes, but there's also these different middle grounds, right? So that's Myers-Briggs look into it. It may help, you know, it may help you push you over the edge or it may help you say, ah, you know, maybe I should stay in or go to uh, somewhere close. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like, hey, you know, like you mentioned, like um, I've said before, you know, this lifestyle is not for everybody, but, you know, for for those who are interested, I think it's it's a really great opportunity, Um, an opportunity that our parents probably did not have and our grandparents for sure did not have. Uh, So, you know, I think just uh, thinking about the future of this, um, there's a uh, there's definitely daylight um and there's a, a a huge opportunity in general uh so brian i guess uh you know let's say oh I, i'm 18 years old you know i i want to be brian henry one day i want to be brian one day <laughs> i want to live in this big penthouse in florianopolis uh, you know being a you know managing a, a company uh as an operations manager uh you know, I, I'm assuming you're going to say something like, well, there's no exact one formula to get to where I am today. So, but if you had to give one, you know, what, what, what kind of advice would you give? Um, I would say to travel a bit for sure. Uh, read lots of books, read some classic books, read a lot of things that interest you. Um, mm-hmm. uh, get your diet on point. Diet and physical fitness is so important uh, just for your mind, your mind state look into supplements, do all, all, all this kind of stuff. And the traditional path doesn't always ha- have to be the way. You're going to find resistance, whether it's from your parents, whether it's from society. You're going to doubt yourself a lot, but really you can find a lot of things even on the web. There's so many courses that you can build a passive income, whether it's from fulfilled by Amazon, whether it's from an agency, whether it's doing cold email, all this stuff. Um, maybe even looking into another big thing, and this is going to go, we're talking about living abroad and nomadic life. Uh, Zoomers, I think it's Gen Z. Yeah. So Zoomers, right? That's the 18 year olds. Right. Nobody is learning the trades. Nobody's learning the trades. So boomers <laughs> cannot hire anybody to, as an apprentice. Mm. This is going to be a huge industry, a huge market for people who uh, want to make money because no one's going to be able to do electrical work, uh, glass work, all this kind of stuff. And, you know, there's, I believe in delayed gratification. So at 18, you got to do some things that you don't want to do. You got to work, you have to study, you have to do these things. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, at 18, you can't go and live my life. I, I lived at home for three years in my twenties after traveling, after doing all this, cause I was broke. I was mm-hmm. living in my parents' house. It was horrible, had no money. My parents were like, you're crazy. Why don't you go get a real job, work for a corporation, yeah. do all this stuff. And they thought I was a bum. They thought I was a yeah. bum. You're like, yeah. you're a freeloader, but we love you. So I guess you can stay. Okay. Thanks. Right. Thank you. <laughs> so I didn't have I to go it. and get a job and work for, for someone else, but it's rough. You know, you got to find your own path. 
and mm -hmm. uh, it's not going to be easy. The easiest path right. is the most traveled, right? Go to university, right. do this, do that. Um, mm -hmm. Delayed yeah. gratification is where it's at. So at 18, and uh, I, do you know your audience if it's uh, uh, split between men and women? Yeah. Yep. It's uh, no, it's combined. Okay. So yeah. for men, man, you have your whole 20s. Nobody trusts you if you're 25 in business. Your your mm -hmm. brain isn't even formed yet. So yeah, figure things out, build value, find out who you are, develop your own identity. You know, that's mm -hmm. that's what I can say for sure. Very cool. All right, Brian. Well, thanks for that insight. And I have to fully admit, um, I think you dropped the red pill phrase uh, a couple times on this podcast, and I had to Google that one. <laughs> I haven't heard that one before. The but... red pill. Yeah, very cool. I love it. I love it. I think I'm going to start using that phrase now. Um, all right. Hey, Brian, I uh, just want to say thank you so much for being on the podcast here today. Uh, maybe I'll give you like one or two minutes for a closing statement, not to put you on the spot or anything. Um, I do have to admit, uh, I did learn a lot just from uh, hosting you today on this podcast. And it wasn't just the red pill phrase. Like I, I learned, you know, just don't be afraid to uh, not follow the traditional paths. Uh, I really appreciated your insights. Uh, very inspiring story. Uh, is there anything else that you want to say before we close for today? I'm going to drop some more red pill uh, <laughs> gems on you here. The red pill goes uh, so far beyond uh, just, you know, uh, it goes into uh, nutrition, right? It goes into uh, the red pill is basically uh, unconventional truths that we have that have society or some cultural direction has misled us from, right? So getting sunlight, sunlight's mm -hmm. bad, right? Put on sunscreen. Well, it turns out that sunscreen, uh, your blood absorbs it and you have all these horrible chemicals in your body and it gives you cancer. So maybe you're better off absorbing sun. Me, it works. I'm, 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 a, I'm descended from the Aztecs, right? So I get sun, I tan. I probably, it's good for me. Another one is... Um, uh, the food pyramid, food mm -hmm. pyramid is horrible. You want to eat uh, almost zero grains, no sugar, eat bones, eat uh, fermented foods, all this other stuff. So I'll give you a book. You can look into it for nutrition, deep nutrition by Kate Shanahan. Um, then there's also red pills into, and this is, I'm, I'm developing a Twitter audience. I'm growing on Twitter. Mm -hmm. I have like 1400 followers. Three months ago, I had 90. So I'm getting some traction there. I just drop red pills all day there. So if you're interested <laughs> in this and, uh, you know, it's unconventional truths. Uh, I don't talk about my Twitter ideology on my Instagram because uh, nobody would like what I'm saying. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, you, you have to really see these out. And the red pill is kind of like an awakening. You find these things and, you know, you look into it. And you discover that, oh, this may be, you know, this may be a more appropriate way to live, but nobody's talking about this. You know, it's kind of mm -hmm. the things that they don't want you to know. Um, and not conspiratorial. I, I don't go into conspiracies. It's a waste of time. <laughs> I don't watch the news. I don't do all this stuff. But, you know, um, like um, approaching people and thinking that you are the valuable thing and that they're lucky to, for you to talk to them. And mm -hmm. for you to introduce yourself and to throw yourself out there because you have a story to tell, you have a purpose in life, you can bring value to them. That's a red pill, right? Mm -hmm. So abundance and the highest self-esteem that you can have, they'll tell you that that's bad, 
right. It, it brought me a lot of, a lot of value. You know, I'm here where I am today. And, you know, I, I talk to people at the beach all the time, you know, just, Hey, what's up. And that's how I'm on this podcast. So um, <laughs> exactly. Uh, Awesome. Thank you so much, Brian. Well, as Brian mentioned, uh, please follow him on Twitter because he's got a lot of good stuff. I just did it just two minutes ago. Stakes is high. Uh, you can't really see on this, but it's at S-T-A-K-E-S-I-S-H-I. Stakes is high on Twitter. You can also follow Brian on Instagram, uh, B Henry uh, underscore, underscore, underscore. That's three underscores. So uh with that brian is it two or is it three underscores three three right if you do any okay. of those uh send me a dm like hey i saw you on wilson's podcast uh <laughs> and uh we'll connect yeah that'd yeah be cool. sounds good awesome thank you so much brian well i hope you have a great rest of your day and thanks so much again for being on the show today yep all right guys all right ciao thank you